Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Here we are, Kansas City. We are back. They let us in the building. Players only. Each Thursday, 6 to 7 p.m. We got Joe Mays in the house. What's happening? Not looking like Joe Lewis this week. Man. He's healed. He's cured. I'm healed. I'm definitely, I'm definitely, I'm better taken care of. <laughs> and uh, I'm just glad that they didn't lock the door on us, man. I mean, you know, they've been allowing us to continue to come hey, back man, and do what we're doing. It's been fun, man. Yeah, we had, yeah, yeah. had some great shows. It's a great season so far. Yes, and, sir. You know, we're going to keep rocking it until they kick us off. Hopefully that's sometime in early February. Yeah. After the Chiefs win a Super Bowl. And I am Danon Hughes, Joe Mays, former NFL player, linebacker. Several teams, including the Kansas City Chiefs here locally. Yes, sir. And uh, I am former wide receiver with the Kansas City Chiefs. Only six years here. But, Joe, eight years. Yeah. From the shy Chicago. Chicago, yes. Six-round draft pick, Eagles, Broncos, Texans, Chiefs, Jets, and Chargers. All over the place. And uh, we have a good time each and every week. Hopefully everyone out there tunes in. Uh, But this is players only. And the phone lines are open at 913-576-7610. Text line 69306 as well. A lot to cover, and we got a really special guest that may not have been heard in this area for a while, but he was uh, endeared by the fans in great fashion. And we're going to get to him on the second segment. But uh, this first segment... First thing I want to tackle is uh, there was this, the donkeys came in town last week. They sure did. I know. It seems like it's been forever since that game, but, you know, they came in town and they left quickly. They sure did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we sat in here and we talked about Drew Locke and how, you know, wondering how he was going to play and, you know, hoping he'd do well, but then also not hoping that he'd do so well. Well, I mean, it doesn't seem like he did so well. I mean, he had a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um. And then when you go down and you're forced to throw, I mean, you it's you're pretty much, you know, allowing the defense to pick you off at that point and try to get as much pressure on you as possible. So, you know, it it wasn't the best showing. I'm sure he might have wanted to play better or definitely wanted to play better. Yeah. But I mean, he's got a long road ahead of him, man. So he's gonna get that opportunity twice. You know, at least once a year, every year to come back and play well here in case. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those games where, uh, there was probably some disappointment in the weather i mean in any of that yeah. situation that you know if you're drew and his family and 50 plus family and friends that were at the game you'd like to see okay perfect weather maybe a little wintry yeah so that you can see his skills and see him play on this stage and i'm sure he had been looking at the calendar since draft day or when he was going to be able to come back to kansas city so i'm, I'm sure it was disheartening uh the toss up at the end or toss up during the game in the end zone, it kind of signified the whole day for them, desperation. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't blame him for that. Trying to make a play, 
The Chiefs seemed to be hitting on all cylinders, scored on just about every drive up until that point. And um, so you got to try to make something happen. A field goal in that situation was not going to do anything to the Chiefs right. ultimately. So, you know, that's the one thing I kind of like about Drew. And I even like about our quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to go down guns blazing the way I go. Yep. And, and, you know, there are a lot of fans, maybe some coaches out there that hate that, but I can appreciate it is that if I'm going to sling it around the, the if I'm going to sling it around the field, then I'm going to sling it around the field. Yeah. And if I'm going to trust my receivers, I'm going to trust my receivers. And sometimes things just don't work out yeah. and, and the other teams make some plays. So uh, I thought it was, it was a tough, tough day. Uh, I wondered how the Chiefs were going to fare when, when you're watching the pregame and they're throwing snowballs at each other uh-huh. and Patrick Mahomes is out there sliding, baseball sliding in the snow and guys are doing snow angels and stuff like that. I say, okay, there's, there's, there's something about being loose, but is, is this too loose? Uh, and, and it proved that it, it, I guess there's not too loose for this team. I yeah. mean, this team seems to have fun on the football field and you and I come from an era I kind of feel like I know for me, I'm assuming for you, where pregame was about business. Yeah, it was about intensity and business. I, you know, I might shake somebody's hand across the field if they went to Iowa or something like that. But uh, I tuned you out. I hated you. So yeah. to to have the smiles and giggles and all that stuff going on and snowball fights was just a different football than I'm I'm used to watching. Yeah, and and you know what, I was at the tail end of that era where you know. Right before a game, you want to be as focused as possible. And if you're playing, you're not ready. And if you're not ready, then, you know, a lot of the older guys, well, they will come to you and try to, you know, and, and try to tighten you up a little yeah. bit, make sure you, you walk in a straight and narrow. But, you know, when you see guys go out there and play and 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 do things like that pregame, it's like, oh, man, well, you know, they, they're ready for the game. They're super comfortable. They want to be as loose as possible. And that's that's how you want your teammates to be. You don't want them to be uptight. You don't want them to – you know, just be sitting there and not talking to any anyone and not interacting. But not it's scary re- though, it's, because you don't want. It's, it's a, there's a line. There, you know? I mean, <laughs> there's a fine line, but then again, you want your guys to be loose because if they're loose, they're ready to just go out there and just play the game that they love to play. I yeah. mean, you know, at some point while you were on the field as a player, that kid in you kind of came out oh, yeah. just a little bit. Yeah, and that's pretty much what you're saying. You know, a, a ton of young guys allowing their you know, the inner kid to come out and play and have fun and, and do something, put something out, a little show on for the fans and kids. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, 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 it's fun and yeah. it's definitely entertaining to watch, but there's a part of you that's like, okay, are these cats ready to play? I mean, are they ready to get to business? Are they going to be able to turn it on when it's time? Uh, and, I, and you know, as well as I do, media, fans, uh, supporters, if we'd have went out and lost that game, but those guys, that would have been <laughs> plastered all over social media. Absolutely. And all over the media in general, re- Chiefs weren't ready to play. Yep. Playing snowball fights and throwing snow before the game and got their butt whooped. So I kind of, in that way, I'm glad that we were able to perform, especially in the way we did perform, mm-hmm. uh, not as a close game or anything like that. But it was good to see this Chiefs team playing as well as they have defensively, offensively, special teams at home. Yeah. Losing three games at home, three of their four games at home. Uh, the, the fans deserved it. It was amazing. The atmosphere out at Arrowhead Stadium, I was there. Um, and with my daughter and her friend, shout out Talon, and, and her friend uh, Ainsley, uh, went to the game with me, battled through the snow. Yeah, man. And got in the stadium. But see all the Arrowhead faithful there rocking the tomahawk chop, screaming, the crowd noise. 
I took pictures in the beginning, in the middle, and towards the fourth quarter, and the stands were still full, mm-hmm. and they were still live. And uh, so it was an amazing atmosphere. I think uh, it kind of shook the Denver Broncos t- just a bit. Um, but I think it's just a precursor to what we may see in, in January, yeah. like what we saw last year all the way up through the AFC championship. So it was cool. Uh, I thought it was a good win. And, and I go back to what Marty Schottenheimer used to tell us. You win at home and you win in your division mm-hmm. and you'll be playing in January. And that still remains true no matter spread offenses, different defenses, all the different nuances of the game, protecting the quarterback, pass interferences, replays, all that stuff. Win at home, win in your division, you got a chance in January to to be in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. Keep it simple. <laughs> and it's basically, you know, everything that we've been talking about, you know, up until this point, especially with them playing so well, you know, in December heading into the playoffs, this is this is the kind of the stride that you want to be hitting. And this it kind of seems like that's the path that they're setting. And, you know, these guys are definitely going out there, they're executing, you know, they're they're taking advantage of you know, the, the the opponent's mistakes. Yep. And that's the type of football that you want to play. And you don't want to get a ball up at all. And, you know, they're they're working pretty hard on that. So, you know, I'm 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 definitely I appreciate the fact that they can go out there and they can continue to put, you know, be consistent and continue to put the same show on each and every week and not change up who they are and what they're about. So we got this first quarter rolling and the second quarter is when our guests come in. But uh right now we actually got a call from Michelle and Carney talking about having fun on the field. What's up, Michelle? Hey, how's it going? Going well, going well. Yeah, I just wanted to say, remember how the guys, Haas, Salvi, everybody in the Royals had such a great um, connection yeah. in 13, 14, 15? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of reminiscent. Kind of reminiscent, yeah. Having, having some fun, playing good ball, being serious, but also they were very cohesive. And really worked well together. So I'm hoping that's what we're going to be seeing. Hoping for the same magic, right, oh, yeah. Michelle? Yes, yes. <laughs> well, thank you so yes. much for calling. Great point. Yes. I will say this, and I, people that know me know that I'm a baseball, like, more than a fan. Mm-hmm. Baseball is my first love. Played baseball, college, pro baseball. And by far, by far the most the best sports experience I had that did not involve me playing was the wild card game against the Oakland A's here at Kauffman Stadium. That's the first time in Kansas City that I felt like I was a fan mm. and not just a guy that loved baseball watching some bad teams. Uh, but that that wild card game, kind of going to Michelle's comment, mm-hmm. guys having fun all that season, getting to a point down, and rallying and the stadium just rocking. That's the first time I had ever felt Kauffman Stadium like it was Arrowhead. Yeah. It was shaking. Yeah. I mean, it was rocking that night. And so I, I get what Michelle, and thank you so much, Michelle, for calling in. I get what she's talking about. The fun loving confidence uh, that you know my brother has my back. Mm-hmm. We're going to get this job done. We don't need to be mean about it. We don't need to be obstinate about it. We can just go out and have fun and be like big kids on the field. Yeah, I mean, it, it takes me back to, you know, college days. I mean, those were the best. Those were the days where you know that the guy next to you, they were playing, you all were playing for the same exact reason, and that was to go out there and get a win and have fun doing so. Yep. And there was no other motives. There were no contracts. 
There was no worrying about, you know, whether you're going to be cut the next week. You all were together playing this game together. You were all brought in to do one thing. Yep. And that's form the brotherhood to be able to go out there and play well. So when you see that in the NFL or in any professional setting, it's like, oh, man, this is refreshing. Yeah. Because, you know, God, there's way too many other motives and way too many other things for guys to think about. So it, it's it's extremely important. And like I said, it's refreshing to see it. Yeah, you got the text line working. I see from the 913. I feel like this is a generational thing. Millennial mindset. You work, you play, all at a high level, even, even at, at the, the same, same time. time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. And, you know, we're old men now, or I'm an older, older man. I got I me, mean, I got grandkids. So, yes, I, it's different. It's taking, still taking time for me to adjust to it uh-huh. because the game was so personal to me. I didn't, I didn't help people up. I didn't pat other teams on the back. And, you know, after the game, I'll shake your hand. I might have a drink with you in the parking lot. But that's, that's the extent of it. Right, and now exactly. these guys are mixing and mingling before the game and messing around and playing and, and all that stuff, and it's just different. And it takes a little while to to digest that. Mm-hmm. But it, as long as it's entertaining, I'm cool with it. I mean, and it also shows the type of guys that we have on the team here. I yeah. mean, you know, they're young professionals. They're not just young guys that, you know, it, it, just excited to be here and, and just want to do whatever they need to do in order to keep their job. They're having fun. Yep. But they're also being professional about it too, so – and, and and also, you know, it speaks well to, you know, Andy Reid and the coaching staff that he's built and the, and the camaraderie that they've built in that locker room. I mean, it's it's just amazing to see. Um, and I kind of wish that I was in that locker room to feel it. Yeah. Because, you know, I just want, I want to be able to feel it. That's, that's, that's what I miss. You that's know, the that one, yeah. We don't miss the X's and O's yeah. and getting on the field and hitting and tackling. Nah. Maybe once in, once in a blue moon. Yeah. But it's about the camaraderie yes. in the locker room for sure. Yes. For sure. I well, we got the first quarter down. We're going to come back in the second quarter, and we got a special guest. And here's a hint. He was a superhero. An actual – I shouldn't say actual. actual he was man. a superhero here in Kansas City, and the fans loved him. And we're back. Players only in the house, Joe Mays. And yes. I am Danon Hughes. Second quarter here. Just got finished talking about the Chiefs versus the Donkeys and that beatdown. That got done last week, uh, but we got a special guest. There were two superhero Joe. You were you you were still drinking Similac. I think so. During this time, I think so. Wet behind the ears. Yep. There was two superheroes in town back in the nineties. We had Spider Man, and we had this man, right here. Now, and he's a man after my own heart because one, probably one of the more frustrating defensive backs that I ever played against because he was quick. And he was really good. Uh-huh. And for me being a big receiver, I could never get my hands on him to move him. Yeah. So he was always quicker to the where I wanted to go. And um, but an absolute competitor, uh, a former tenth round pick in 1992, played from 92 to 99 with the Eagles, Saints, Niners, Redskins, and obviously here with the Chiefs. We got Mighty Mouse in the building. Mark McMillan, what's going on, MC? What's going on, D. Hughes? Man, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. And uh, good job, good job with good platforms you got going on there too, man. We appreciate it, man. It's great to have you on. I'm glad you're able to connect with us. You're out on the West Coast, and you spent some time in Arizona and uh, in Vegas as well. You got a son that's a great athlete, a football player to be. So I know uh, your time is limited. So we appreciate you taking out time 
to join us for a few minutes. And, and Mark, you know, you obviously had some great years, a couple of great years here in Kansas City. What do you see in this team and even going back to the teams we played on in 97 and 98? Um, they're, they're, well, first of all, they got a quarterback. <laughs> you <know? laughs> what are you trying to say about those? T- <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, man. I'm bad. Hello, Mark. You still there? Did we lose him? I think we might have lost him. All right, we'll get him back La- in a second. Yep, laughing too hard. I think he hit the end button <laughs> on his phone. <laughs> well, yeah, we had some quarterback challenges. When you look back, you know, there was some controversy you talk about. Uh, 97, Elvis Gerback versus Rich Gannon. Mm-hmm. Rich Gannon coming in, doing work while Elvis was hurt, but Elvis was the big signee. And then, lo and behold, you go with Elvis at the end, and we wind up losing in the playoffs to the Broncos. Uh, so I'm sure that's what he's referencing is that we have an established, established quarterback. quarterback that there's no controversy. You know exactly who's going to show up and uh, on Sunday. So – uh, but Mark McMillan, just a little bit more about him. I don't know if there's many people that remember. He's five foot six, one seventy. Played in the AFC, I mean NFC East, mm-hmm. from a large part of his career against the Den- uh, against the Dallas Cowboys and having the guard Eagles. Alvin Harper and mm-hmm. and and Michael Irvin, big receivers, mm-hmm. and competed. And in 1997, he was one of the NFL leaders. In interceptions. Actually, as of the time, and I remember this like it was yesterday, and he may talk about it. Uh, Mark, you back with us? Yeah, I'm back, man. Sorry about that. Oh, you're uh, all right. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, we, we got to start we... talking about the quarterback controversy, and you, and you, you threw the phone. Yeah, man. Your, fa- your face hit <laughs> the know, end button, man. huh? I, I know, man. You're, you're, I, just had, I just had a flashback. <laughs> Mark came into the meat room and talking about we were going to start Gerbach instead of. Instead of a man, Rich Gannon, man, we were pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, I remember it like it was yesterday. You know, well, one other thing I remember about that season, right around the Pro Bowl voting, which is just so happens to be this week, just had the Pro Bowl voting. Um, I don't remember. I remember years prior to that, Mark Collins was a DB, and I think he walked out of the meeting room. Mm. And I think we had a couple of players. I want to say even afterwards I had heard, like, Casey Wigman being pissed off because he hadn't been voted in. And there's times where there's snubs. And at the time of the vote, Mark McMillan was leading the NFL in interceptions. Wind up with eight interceptions, three touchdowns. Wow. In, as, a, as a third corner, we had James Hasty and we had Dale Carter. Uh, but going back to that 97 season, Mark, you know, you guys are superheroes. You and, and Andre, rising, Spider-Man <laughs> and Mighty Mouse. Tell me, let's talk about that, man. That time, it, it was it was a great season, man. Uh, that, that was my first year there in Kansas City. Obviously, playing against the Chiefs, it was no fun. And uh, you know, with with the free agents that Marty was able to bring in, me, Andre Risen, uh, Marcus Allen was there already, uh, Rich Gannon. Um, then we ended up drafting Tony Gonzalez and Kevin Lockett. So we had a really good uh, core group guys. You know, Kimbo Andrews was playing at a Pro Bowl level. Yep. Um, and things were just clicking, man. And, uh, you know, not to say that when Elvis went down, we 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 got better, but we did get better. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, guys just competed, man. There was no uh, animosity with the guys. Everybody joked around with each other. Guys hung out with each other. Um, you know, we competed in practice. And uh, you know, you talked about the Pro Bowl season between uh, you know Dale and James. They both made it. And 
Uh, yes, I was pissed off. You know, I thought I we should have had. I mean, ultimately, we should have had three defensive backs, which would have been crazy to have three corners. Yeah. Out of the what is there four that are voted in uh, to the Pro Bowl, we should have had three of those in that game, right? I mean, you should have been in there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think they wanted that. Uh, mm-hmm. But but uh, to uh, to Dale and uh, James's credit, uh, they they paid for me and my family to go down there anyway. I didn't and, know that. Know, I thought oh. that was really. I think that was really cool. Those guys to you know come out of their pockets because they thought the same thing that uh, we should have had three guys uh, in the Pro Bowl, and you know we wasn't the, we wasn't the three most popular DBs uh, in the league. You, you know, Dell he'll punch you in the mouth, and <laughs> yep. choke you out, and then uh, you know I'm just going to come in and, and pick the ball off and flex it. Just so it was just you know people hated us, and uh, I know that probably played a big part in it. But you know it is what it is, man. And we know it's, it's all politics and. Uh, you know, I was just blessed to be be on a good team with some good teammates, and like I said, man, I had, I had a ball, man. I had some really good years in Philadelphia, but uh, you know that '97 season in Kansas City, man, I just knew uh, that we were going to go to the Super Bowl uh, and, and win it. And everybody in that room believed that until that day came, and you know, Elvis, Elvis came back, and you know, just yeah, you know, I know that really affected us as a team, yeah. uh, especially on the defensive end because we were putting up a lot of points. Uh, on offense, man, mm-hmm. you know, the ball was just flying all over the place and guys were just making plays and we were feeding off you guys and you guys were feeding off us. Nice, man. You know what? First off, I just want to go ahead and mention, uh, I love the fact that you sat here and said, you know, he choked people out and, and, and we not, we didn't think anything negative about it. That was just the way that they played <laughs> ball back in the day. Like that, like those are the days that I miss, man. Being able to do things like that and not have anyone look at you different or, you know, have like a crazy type of name attached to your name. I think it's pretty awesome, but I just want I want to I want to ask about you, man. Small in stature, you know. I'm pretty sure you had a ton of people in your lifetime that told you what you couldn't do. Did you allow that to drive you, and or what else you allowed to to drive you to play the game of football? I, I think it, you know it just started. I, you know, I only played one year of high school football. Nice. Um, and then I went on to uh, junior college. Uh, was a junior college all American my sophomore year, and got a scholarship to the University of Alabama. So things just kind of snowballed from there. And, uh, you know, it was all SEC at Alabama for, for my senior year. And I just recall, I always tell the story, man, Ozzie Newsom, um, you know, Alabama great, Hall of Fame tight end. Uh, I was like, man, if anybody's going to give me a shot, you know, Ozzie's going to give me an opportunity. And I uh, stepped on the scale. I was probably like 145 pounds. And he, you know, he told me in my face that there's no way you're going to make it in the National Football League. Wow. Mm. And, you know, that kind of fueled me right there. And, you know, I said some choice words I can't say on your radio. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that just, that just, you know, kind of lit a fire up under me. Like, man, how can I not start in, in the Southeastern Conference for two years and not even get an opportunity to play? So, you know, I got drafted by the Eagles, man. And, and I took that I, – I played with that chip on my shoulder every, every game, man. And uh, from my first play to, to my last play in 99, I played the game the same way. Um, I didn't care about who you were. I didn't care how big you were. You know, I was going to challenge you and make it tough on you. And uh, if we have to scrap and, and throw hands, that's what we got to do. <laughs> and, that, and that's the attitude I always appreciated yeah. about you guys. And you talk about Hasty and, and Dale. I still got scars on my body from messing around with y'all in practice. <laughs> wow. And, you know, I get, to, I get to Mark's side of the field. I'm like, okay, at least I'm not going to get choked. But then that cat would run the route for me <laughs> and pick it off. I'm like, I can't catch a break. These guys going to get me cut, and they're supposed to be my teammates. <laughs> but, man, I, you know yep. what? I, I think Joe – go ahead, I'm sorry. 
Yeah, we had, like I said, we had a good group of receivers, man. You guys competed as well. Uh, we knew, you know, Dre Rising was going to run nice, Chris Rouse. We know Kevin Locker was going to try to run out of bounds so he wouldn't get touched. And, you know, Joe, Joe Horn was going to be Joe Horn. And we knew you. I was like, man, I got to. I got to press this dude. So I was like, I can't let D get his hands on me because if he gets his hands on me, that's a wrap. And it helped in the game, too, because, you know, Dale and James, they were probably two of the best press corners uh, at that at that time. And, you know, they helped my game because uh, I wasn't a real physical press guy. But, uh, you know, have, have, playing with those guys, I have to learn how to play press. And yeah. uh, the way we matched up, you know, they always put uh, Hasty. We played against the Broncos. Uh, they put James on on Sharp. They put me on uh, on uh, Rod Smith and, yep. and uh, Dale on McCaffrey. So uh, you know, I had to adapt to playing inside the slot. And like I said, man, we just had a great, great opportunity, a great team. And you know, when you got Derek Thomas coming up the corner, that ball's coming out hot anyway. Yeah, exactly. And you know, what was cool is that you know we always talk about disguising defenses and mm-hmm. stuff. Them cats broke the huddle. Half the time, they ain't even getting the huddle. It was like man-to-man coverage, yeah. bump and run. Everybody knows it. <laughs> we gonna be out here by the numbers. Whichever receiver come out here is going to get these hands, mm-hmm. and that's it. <laughs> we, we don't need to disguise nothing. DT is on one side, and, and we got Vaughn Book on the other side. They coming at you, and outside, if you mess up, we're going to take it to the house. Uh, Mighty, Mag, Mighty, uh, Mighty Mark McMillan, Mighty Mouse did it three times in that year. Amazing, amazing year. So you talk. one thing I remember about you was, you know, after interceptions, after big plays, you out there, like you said, five six, one, one sixty five ish, maybe, and you flexing, and then the whole stadium is rallying behind you because you're like the undersized guy. And this past week, we've seen a lot of flexing from a guy that also a little bit undersized, got snubbed for the Pro Bowl in Teran Matthew. Now you know he's not he's not a Bama guy, but he's an SEC guy. He's an undersized guy. Right. Uh, you've been able to watch him play. Kind of reminds me of you on the field, even though he's playing the safety and kind of that nickel position. Yeah, he's he's uh he's been playing uh, really good of late, and uh, I, I think the key to the defense is uh, you know his leadership out there. Yeah, um, he, he rallies those guys around him, and he you know he's a, he's like almost a hybrid guy. So uh, he's all over the field. And I said the last couple of weeks, because uh, in the beginning I was like, man, our secondary is tripping. What is going on? Mm-hmm. And I think he probably challenged those guys to a man uh, that they need to play better. And when he plays really good in the secondary uh, and causes havoc on blitz plays, uh, the, the team seems like they rally around him as well. And he's a fiery guy, man, and he's, he's been like that since college. Uh, you know, he was kind of, you know, shunned in, in Arizona. They got rid of him. Then mm-hmm. he went to Texas. But uh, somehow, man, you, you know, you come to Kansas City, man, and you play in an Arrowhead Stadium. It's a different ball game, man. And uh, you know when the stand when the stands is full and the and the crowd is cheering loud, it, it's it's no more no better electric uh, feeling uh, than any other stadium. And I've played in a lot of stadiums, but Arrowhead is definitely something special uh, when the team is winning and that crowd is is really loud. So uh, he did. I thought he got snubbed on the Pro Bowl, but we all know, man, it's a political thing. He's not. Yeah. A lot of people don't even like him, and you mm. know, they, uh, I think I think what the Ravens got like eleven to twelve guys. Twelve yep. guys, yeah. yeah. It's, it's definitely political, and, and I know you keep up. You you do stuff on podcasts and uh, very heavily active on social media. So you see the entire landscape of the NFL. What are you seeing as we come down the stretch for these final two regular season games and then into the playoffs? What are you seeing from the NFC side as well as the AFC side? 
Um, from the AFC, man, it, it, it's still a little wide open. Um, obviously, you know, with uh, uh, the Chiefs getting back on the winning streak, winning in New England was was big. Uh, getting over that mental mental uh, you know mental hump. Yeah. Uh, because you know they they did they did knock us out. You know the uh, you know and then they went on to win the Super Bowl. They beat us in the regular season in New England, but. To get that win on the road in New England was was really big for those guys, and uh, you know the, the NFC man, it is it is a it is a dog race over there, man. It, it is anybody's ball game, and you know obviously what Lamar is doing over there in Baltimore, man, that's like something out of uh, old school tech mobile. Yeah. Oh man, I, I was just over here talking about that. I'm yeah. like, man, this guy right here is really taking care of business yeah. and on and on every level though. Yeah. Like he's 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 making sure that team you know is running full speed. So. You definitely got to appreciate something like that in, in the time that we're in today, for sure. Yeah, so it you know it, it you know it could go down. Uh, you know the, the Chiefs have a have a really good shot of getting in. Um, well, what they're doing in Baltimore, man, is that the road might go through Baltimore. Yeah. And uh, you know you look at the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are playing well. They're uh, you know they 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 travel well as well. And um, you can't count out the 49ers or the Seahawks. Um, you know, it seems like Russell Wilson plays better on the road than he does at home. And uh, yeah. the 49ers, um, you know, they, they got back on track. Uh, if you get Drew Brees out of the dome, they're not the same team. So um, I wouldn't put too much stock in them. Nice. You know what, man? I got a, I got a question for you, man. You spent, you spent uh, some time with the Eagles. That, that's where you started off at. Were you there when they booed Santa Claus? <laughs> <laughs> when I was there when they booed Santa Claus, <laughs> batteries at Santa Claus. <laughs> Uh, shoot, threw 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 piss at uh, Jerry at uh, at my man. What was the coach name from uh, from Miami? He, he's the one that won the Super Bowl. Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it was. It, it's something. That, it's something special there in Philly, man. Back in the old vet days when uh, you know the Reggie Whites, the Jerome Browns, the Clyde Simmons. Yeah, uh, you know Andre Waters, who they called him Dirty Waters back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I I was blessed, man, to be able to play against some play with some uh, really good organizations. Uh, played for some really good uh, coaches. Um, I, I would say Ray Rose was a, was a really good coach for me in Philadelphia, and then going uh, in Kansas City. You know, Marty challenged you, man, and you know he was a defensive guy, but uh, he was the X's and O's. He was a perfectionist, and uh, you know guys fed off that. So you know Marty is, is one of the top coaches that I had an opportunity to play for, and I know he's battling as well right now, man. Yeah, so man. my prayers go up to him and his family. Absolutely, yeah, man. Well, definitely. well, Mighty Mouse. We appreciate you taking time, man. I know it's the holiday season. Wish you and your family a blessed and Merry Christmas. Happy holidays as well, man. And uh, we just love talking to you, man, and appreciate all the great memories. I know a lot of fans, we got the text line blasting out uh, just comments about you, man, and how much they loved that time in the 90s. So we really appreciate you, brother. All right, man. I appreciate it. Good luck uh, with, with the show, man. And uh, whenever you come to Vegas or Arizona, man, look me up. We'll, we'll break bread and Hopefully I can beat you on the golf course, man. I know you got that baseball swing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Hey, I, 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 you know what? That golf game. You know, if there's money on the table, I'm terrible until after the bet. <laughs> yep. Until after the bet is well, cemented. I might, I might have to ask my wife to the loan me a couple hundred dollars. Those competitive juices come out, man. Thanks a lot, man. We appreciate you. Mark McMillan was in the building. Yeah, man. Great, great story, man, and, and you know, I, I like the fact that you touched on the undersized uh, aspect because mm-hmm. you were an undersized linebacker. He was an undersized DB, and, yeah. you know, you go out there and you got the heart. You got an oversized heart and an undersized body, 
anything can happen. That's a message to the kids as well. Well, we're going to come back. We're going to halftime right now. We're going to come back, talk about some misconceptions, uh, a segment we talked about in the past, and bring up some, some of the latest, hottest stories that are going around in pro sports. Halftime's over. Yes. Players only. We're back. Joe Mays. Danon Hughes here. We got, we're halfway through. We got yeah, about man. 20, 22 more minutes. And we had a, a great, great interview, great time, great chat with Mighty Mouse, a.k.a. Mark McMillan. And one of the things about the comments, I don't know if you picked up on it, mm-hmm. when he talked about, and it's not a diss towards any of the other places that he played. Yeah. When he talked about Philadelphia, he said, yeah, in, Phil- in Philadelphia we did. And in Philadelphia this happened. But when he said about the Chiefs, he's like, we were, we were, it was us. It was all personal. Yeah. And he played in the, in the league for, I believe, eight years. And to have that, he only played here for two. Mm-hmm. And to have that kind of affection for Arrowhead, the Chiefs faithful, the teams, remembering uh, the players and, and all the great accolades that were going on, to me, just kind of substantiates a lot of the stuff that we always talk about and how special Chiefs Kingdom is and how special the players. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, especially go back in the 90s, there wasn't any social media. Right. There wasn't any outlets. We had radio shows ourselves, uh, but you didn't really hear from the players uh, their heartfelt feelings on where they were playing and what they felt about Kansas City. So all the fans out there that loved Mighty Mouse, loved his antics, obviously loved his playmaking ability, you can tell by his voice and some of the things he was saying that he – that, that love was reciprocated, that yeah. he believed in Kansas City. He loved his years here, and he agrees with me that we, we, we got shortchanged. You yeah. know, a decision, a business decision that affected the game on the football field. Not Nothing against Eric, uh, Elvis Gerback, but at the time, the best quarterback that should have been leading us was Rich Gannon, and we all knew it in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the people above made business decisions, and, and it affected what could have been what, probably the greatest team assembled in Kansas City. Yeah, and you know what? I think another great thing about Kansas City is that it is a smaller city, so it's a lot lot less distractions. Mm -hmm. So when you go to these bigger cities, it's a lot more distractions. There's a lot more cameras in your face. There's a lot more, you know, fans that want to get up and right in your face and and say things to either throw you off or, you know, to to maybe even piss you off. You know, like you, you have those distractions when you, you know, in a bigger market. So being here in KC where... They love their guys no matter what, mm-hmm. you know, good, bad, indifferent, whatever the case may be. They love you, and they're going to support you. It's great to have those type of fans as opposed to having fans that may want to push your buttons yeah. just because they see you walking around with your family. So, exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's a great point. The 913 on the text line, text line 69306, we got a text from the 913. Can you guys explain the main difference between the crowd now and when you guys were playing? I've always heard it was just a different world at Arrowhead. Yeah. You heard, if you were listening to that last segment, you can hear the inflections in, in Mighty Mouse's voice. Yep. You can hear him talking about Arrowhead. It was different. You, you, prior to all the renovations at the stadium, uh, everybody was outside. Out, unless you were in a suite, you were outside. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any club level. There wasn't any indoors. You were outside. You were part of the game. And uh, we fed off of that. As, as an offensive player, I didn't have to worry about the, the fan noise Man. on offense when I was on the field. Yeah, I did. But on special teams <laughs> and on defense, when the defense was on the field, mm-hmm. like I couldn't hear you talk, and we're sitting five feet away from each other. 
So it is an impact, and more importantly, the other teams knew it. Yeah. And you didn't have the crowd noise type of deals in practice. You didn't have the music playing and blaring in practice like they do now if you go up to training camp and so on. So they had to mentally prepare for coming into Arrowhead. And I always said, when I felt when we played a home game, I felt like we were up seven nothing before kickoff. Oh yeah, I mean, that, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, and I and I played on both sides of the fence. Though. I, oh I've yeah, been here yeah. as a visitor and you know as a home team as a home player. So you know to and I and, and I've enjoyed you know both sides you know equally because you know being in this atmosphere it was it was amazing and Kansas City they're known for having great football fans anyway. You know when you think about Kansas City, not only like they're the most watched. So one year I came here. The Kansas City fans were the highest-rated fans to watch the Super Bowl, and their Chiefs wasn't even, even in, in it. it. Yeah, so that just that just tells you, you know, how much they love the game of football itself. So when they show up to the game, they're gonna make a ton of noise because they're cheering for their team, and you know, you appreciate something like that, and it's amazing, you know, to to get that feeling and and uh, you know have a stadium actually rocking as you're down there on the field and you can't hear anything. Yeah, man, it's it ama- amazing. Like it. Amazing place. We got another text from the 913. Is there a sense in the locker room between guys who have a large contract and (laughs) underperform them versus a guy who has a small contract or no contract and are playing better? Yes. Uh, Yeah, there is some tension. I remember Trezell Jenkins was the Mm -hmm. first-round draft pick, and he got in fights in the locker room with Greg Hill and Neil Smith. I'm talking about swinging fights. Yeah. On the road, we were in the hotel, and there's a fight in the hallway because – you know, as a player, you, you you know what's real. Yeah. And if you're – and I'm not saying he was a bust, but he just didn't live up to his his, his contract. Mm-hmm. I mean, he probably shouldn't even been drafted in that first round. He probably would have been a better third or fourth rounder, and that's what he was projected. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there can be some tension, especially if you're losing or, or something happens. Guys are going to call you out on it sometimes. Sometimes the most clear, most real places is that locker room and that meeting room because yeah. the film don't lie. No. You watch the film. You can, I don't care how much money you make. I'm watching this film, preparing for this game, or, or a recap of the game before, and I see you slacking off, and I see you getting beat or getting knocked down or getting pancaked. It's going to eventually come out. You know, oh, guys yeah. are going to make some, mm, dang. Yeah. You, yeah, you know, you got that. all the sound effects in the meeting room. You're like, dang, yeah. man. Like, wow. Dang, how, you know, your jersey's dirty air. Yeah, right, uh, you yeah. Know, dang, dang. Whoa, whoa. You got knocked, like, dang. You oh, like pancakes for breakfast? Yeah, I mean, man. You, know, you got all the comments coming out because yeah. there's no holds barred. And yep. some of them is fun-loving because it might be once in a while. You know, Joe, Joe, you played 65 plays in a game. You got pancake once. You might hear about it on, on that one time. Oh, yeah. But the other 60, everybody's like, okay, respect. Joe right. did his work. You know, but if you got a guy <laughs> that's out there for 20 plays and 10, he's getting beat. And he's getting paid much more than you? You're going to hear about it. Eventually, yeah. you're going to hear about it. I don't care if he's big. I mean, you're talking about Greg Hill, 5'10", 195, swinging fights yeah. with Trezell Jenkins at 6'6", 320 in the locker room. Yeah. It don't matter. I mean, it's it's just kind of one of those things. So, yeah, there's there's some tension that can happen. And But I will tell you this. Winning solves a lot of that. Yeah. And you know what? This, this kind of takes me back to what I said earlier about – enjoying college ball over professional ball. Yeah. The, the, it's another distraction, something else that's keeping these guys away from, you know, focusing on just the game itself. They got to worry about what another man is making. Mm-hmm, you true. know, I mean, and, and everybody's making the same yeah, in college. Yeah, <laughs> in college, everybody's making the same. Everybody's broke. So, yep. you know, to see that happen, 
you know, it's kind of it's a distraction and it brings, you know, unwanted attention to your team, especially if it gets out in the media. Yeah, man. A lot of great stuff. A lot of great texts coming in. We're going to try to tackle as many as we can this evening. But we're ending up this third quarter right now. Going to get into this fourth quarter and talk about the Chiefs-Bears and what's coming up down the pike in these last two games. Four fingers up in the air. Fourth quarter in the building. The final segment on Players Only each Thursday. And Joe is popping cans over here. It's legit. Yeah, We're not yeah. popping any beer or anything like that. He's got Tohee. That was not a sound effect. The original. I going. literally just opened it I really it like up. it, man. It, yeah, it's a good, safety, it's, man. You got your kids drinking it and everything. That's cool, man. Yeah, my son absolutely loves it. Brings like, it he, to school for lunch. He took some today. To, he took some to school today. I like it, man. Yeah, man. Hey, um, so we got the Bears coming up. And, uh, and just to recap that last segment, there was some great text messages. Um. Uh, we can still got a great a few more, but we got to tackle the Chiefs Bears as they come up. Mm-hmm. You're a Chicago guy, Bears history. Matt Nagy's there, Mitch Trubisky, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks is back. Yep, solid defense, questionable on offense, uh, but they're still at home. Uh, I guess the good thing is that they don't really have anything to play for at this point. They're uh, eliminated from the playoffs, uh, but you know as well as I do, when you're eliminated. You, you thrive off the idea of being a spoiler. Yeah. Now, they can't spoil our playoffs, but they can spoil an aspect of our playoff experience if we wind up losing and having knocked down a few pegs and have to go into a hostile environment on the road uh, in that second round or, or so on. So what, what's your thoughts about this uh, Chiefs-Bears game? Well, I was going to mention, you better believe they talked about, you know, ruining the, you know, the Chiefs being able to get that home field advantage. That's, yeah. being, that's been brought up. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. So you you can expect their best. I mean, um, you know, and and they're a team that you know they relies on it. They rely on their defense. Mm-hmm. You know, they rely on their defense a lot. Um, Coach Nagy, he's trying to get Trubisky up and going over there. It's been some some struggles this year, but I mean, at the end of the day, Coach Nagy, he's a hell of an offensive coach. I mean, that's why Coach Reed, you know, moved him up from being a like basically like a grad assistant to being a quarterbacks coach to being an offensive coordinator, yep. and now he's a head coach. So. It's a reason why, you know, he 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 does a hell of a job, you know, being the coach and coaching his guys up. So you can expect the Bears best on on in, on every phase, you know, offense, defense, and special teams. And you know, the Chiefs they're going to have to be consistent on every last one of them because the Bears they're coming in to try to ruin everything. And it's national TV, Sunday yeah. Night Football. Yeah, you know, regardless, and we talked about misconceptions in the past weeks about guys giving up, folding tent. You know, contrary to what a lot of fans believe. That never happens. Mm-mm. Guys always have the incentive to play. If they're going to strap up, then they're going to play. If they're not, then they're not going to play. If they got a they got an injury or something that hurts that they decide, you know what, we ain't going to the playoffs, I'm not going to play, they won't play. Right. But if they're going to have that uniform on, they're going to go out there and play. And like you said, this defense is really, really strong. I'm looking at the stats here. Just about every statistical category, they are top 10, top 15 in most. Um, they haven't gotten to the quarterback as much as I think they would have liked. Now, part of that is uh, when you have Akeem Hicks go down with an injury and be out for a large part of the season, that can be a hurt. But, I mean, they're eighth in the NFL in yards per game, fifth in yards per play. Yeah. So, you know, with us and our offense, we you know, we're a team that's second in the NFL in yards per play offensively. So that there's an automatic clash right there that who's, whose will is going to be 
stronger? Who's going to be able to execute better in that situation? And it's my understanding it's not supposed to be super cold yeah. in Chicago like we thought it would be in the beginning of the season. When that the can always change. Out. It can. Coming off the wind and oh, all that man. stuff coming off that lake. Man, it can yes. be it can be tough. I, I had one experience in Chicago, and it's actually in the preseason, and the stadium flooded because of the rain. So yeah. we the game actually got uh, ended early. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really get the full feel of Soldier Field and all that. But uh, it's a great, great history, obviously, in that stadium. And um, Mitchell Trubisky, he still got stuff to prove. I mean, yeah. they're calling him a bust, and and you know, there's always going to be the comparisons of Patrick Mahomes. And, and Deshaun Watson and Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. And, and they jumped up to get him. He's trying to fight off the comparisons of him and Rex Grossman, which... <laughs> that, that's not that's, lofty. That's not, that's not a great comparison. <laughs> and when you have people that's in Chicago and they try to compare you to Rex Grossman or any of those, those other quarterbacks that, you know, under you know underachieved, it, that, that's, that's, that's pretty bad. I mean, and him being a first-round guy, just like Rex Grossman was a first-round guy, that's kind of a bad place to be. So he's trying to he's constantly trying to fight off those comparisons while also leading his team to victory. So look, like I said before, you know, he's coached by Matt Nagy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he he's he's gonna turn it around at some point. You just can't allow it to be this week, um, you know, for him to turn around and play back to his Pro Bowl level. Cause he made the Pro Bowl last year. Oh yeah. I mean, he has what it takes. It's just that, you know, some guys struggle more than others and he struggled a lot. So you, you you kind of hope that he don't turn it around for this game. But, you know, also just me being a person, I kind of hope he turn it around. So, you know, because there's nothing great to be linked to Rex Grossman. Yeah, you don't want yeah, that. Yeah, no. I'll You're be, comparing yourself to Rex Grossman. No, there's a problem. No. Uh-uh. More so with you than Rex. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Rex, but, man, we love you, man. I, I, we, we don't mean any uh, anything personal. It's just, just uh, I mean, you talk to anybody in Chicago, they know. Yeah. Hey, you know, I think it's it's a great opportunity, and the Chiefs should win the game. They're the better team, yeah, and they've played better football on the road, surprisingly. So that should be a win. And Chicago's uh, missing their two inside linebackers, too, uh, Danny Trevathan and the, uh, Roquan Smith. Yep. Oh, yeah. Kevin Pierre-Lewis come back. So he played here for a season, yep. and he's starting now. So he's been playing pretty well, you know, up up until late. So, you know, let's let, let's not allow him to come back and, and ruin some things because I mean he's been playing well. He's been doing everything that you know the Bears needed him to do and more. Yep. So going to the text line real quick from the three hundred three. Could you give more detail on the Gannon Gerback uh, situation in the higher ups? Basically, we had just signed Gerback, I believe, an eighteen million dollar contract, which at the time was huge. And uh, if Gannon would have won and taken us to the Super Bowl. It would have looked bad on the higher-ups that we signed Gerback, even though we had Gannon the years before as he was a backup for uh, Steve Bono. So it was a business decision to throw him back on the field because the thoughts I, I feel was if Gannon is, is successful, we'll never go back to Gerback, and we will have made a bad decision business-wise. So um, that's kind of what, in a nutshell, what that was all about. Yeah, and oh, another great question. Does it piss you guys off when a bad player tries to be a vocal leader? Absolutely. <laughs> a guy to try to, you know, cut Shut you up and, up and tell you what you should do when they, when you know for sure yeah. they're not even going out there and giving it their all. It does piss you off. And those are the type of guys that normally, you know, you, you have other guys that come and mush them in the face and you start a fight yep. because nobody, no one wants to hear from a guy who doesn't put his all into playing the game. Exactly. Hey, as these last seconds unfold, uh, want to – 
want to relay sentiments to all of the Hawkeyes out there. Hayden Fry passed away yesterday. My former coach, 90 years old, great mentor, great, great, iconic figure in Iowa football and Big Ten history. Uh, rest in peace, peace, Coach Fry. Uh, we loved you. And fantasy football, I'm in two leagues, and I'm in two championships, son. I don't know about that. And I'm that. ready to rock this week. Believe me, I talk so much trash. Julio, I talk so much trash out there. Players only. Come back two weeks after Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. Yes. Download the Radio.com app to listen to 610 Sports Radio wherever you are. On Saturday. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.